Welcome to the Woman of Wellness podcast, a show for the woman who wants to make peace with food, love her body, and find joy in exercise and movement. I'm Elizabeth, exercise physiologist and women's nutrition and wellness coach here to spread the message that it is absolutely possible for you to enjoy food, exercise, and your body without guilt, shame, or regret. To the woman who is fed up with dieting, feels trapped in a body she wishes she could love, or who lets food and fitness rules overtake her life, it's time to put a hard stop on diet culture and discover wellness within. My friend, you are already a woman of wellness. Your worth is more than a number on the scale. You are worthy of showing up in love for your body today and every day. On this podcast, I want you to show up as yourself, beautifully imperfect and gain confidence to accomplish anything you set your mind to. I believe that every woman has the gift of knowing what her body truly wants and needs within herself and I'm here to help you discover it. Join me each week for conversations about food, fitness, weight loss, and wellness to help you achieve your goals and love taking care of your unique body. It's a lie that wellness has to be hard, painful, and downright miserable, and I'm ready to link arms with you and experience the joy of wellness together. Hello, hello, happy Tuesday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. If not, happy whatever day of the week it is for you. (laughs) Okay, I wanted to do this episode and I wanted to title it The Emotional Eating Episode. The Emotional Eating Episode. Like, this is the one. It's going to be meaty and juicy and good and everything that you want to know about emotional eating and what to do about it and how to help yourself and how to not make it such a burden in your life because on a daily basis, I get messages from women who are struggling with emotional eating. And here's the deal. Everyone struggles with emotional eating, okay? Emotional eating is a normal part of life and we're going to talk about it. And what I want you to understand more than anything else is it's really because we don't understand it well enough. Okay, we don't we don't understand exactly what role emotional eating plays in our life. And so we've connected it with this very negative role, right? I always turn to food to deal with my emotions. Um, I use my food to numb things. I use my food to reward myself. And so we create this definition that emotional eating is bad and I shouldn't do it and all of these things. And I kind of want this episode, the goal of this episode to help you really better understand that role that emotional eating plays in your life and how we can see it in a positive way and kind of learn what to do about it. And I do have an episode, ooh, what number? I can't think off the top of my head, Um, but it'll be in the show notes. I have an episode about how emotional eating can actually be a good thing. It's just a little episode and that can be a good compliment to this episode, Um, but I really want to go deeper today. I really want this to be like the emotional eating episode, okay? So where do we go from here? Well, I took a minute to write down kind of all of the questions that I was getting on the regular on a regular basis, the things that you were struggling with and all of that. And so I want to read these and I'm going to answer each one of them today. So I'm going to like kind of go into a rapid fire question and answer. So if you're struggling with any of these, this is the episode you need to listen to. Okay. Why do I binge and restrict? Why do I eat the foods I know won't make me feel good? 
Why do I feel addicted to sugar? Why does food consume my thoughts all day long? Why do I reward myself with food? Why does it feel easier to deal with my feelings using food? Why do I feel in a constant battle daily over what I eat? So if any of those things ring true to you, I want you to pay attention to this episode and we're going to be talking about it, okay? And before we do, we have to understand a little bit more about emotional eating. Remember, my goal, our goal together today is to help shift your perspective of emotional eating and how to use it as a benefit in your life, okay? Emotional eating is a result of two things. One, our biological needs getting met, okay? This is like hunger, fullness, nutrients that we need, the calories that we need, um, all vitamins, minerals, like all of these biological needs that our body needs to actually survive and live and thrive, right? We have ranges where biological needs are met. Sometimes it's surviving, sometimes it's thriving, okay? So first is biological needs, and the second is psychological needs. And so much of emotional eating, when we think of it traditionally, is all about psychological needs, right? Our emotions. I need to deal with my emotions. But you've probably never really heard it this way before, but I truly believe more than anything that your biological needs have to be met first before your psychological needs. If you want to learn how to manage emotional eating. And I'm going to talk about what that means and all of that. But here's what we do is we kind of forget. We forget that there's two pieces and we just think, oh, I need to deal with my emotions. Oh, I need to do some self-care. I need to go to the the spa. Like we were told like, deal with your emotions, deal with your emotions. And we're missing a piece. And the truth is, is that when you were a baby, you had both. You were an emotional eater from birth. Is that a bad thing? No. As you got older, okay, well, let's back up for a minute. So as a baby, you looked forward to food to live, like meet your biological needs. Maybe it tastes good. I don't know. We can't really find those things out from babies, but you need those biological needs to live. So you'd cry when you're hungry, right? When your tummy was grumbling or whatever babies feel, you would cry because you needed those biological needs met. But also, your first feed was an emotional connection to the person that was feeding you. And it continued, right? If you've been a mother or nursed a child or fed a child or in in any way, shape, or form, you know that those two needs are essential for babies. They need to biologically be fed but that in that feeding, there was an emotional connection. It was like a connection like, oh, she's going to feed me. And what happened, so we look at this and we say, okay, well, emotional eating is a good thing, right? It, it connected you with someone that you cared about. But as you got older, we had diet culture creep in, Right? And it taught us to ignore first our biological needs. Okay, so it taught us to say, okay, eat this way, 
follow this plan. Don't eat if you're hungry, like eat a certain amount, eat a certain food, all of this stuff. And so we're taught to not honor those biological needs. How dare you be more hungry now than you were yesterday? You don't have more calories or macros or points to eat today, even though you're hungry. And if you've ever fed a baby, you know that they go through growth spurts. They have days where they um, eat more food, eat less food. The doctor, the pediatrician always tells me that kids eat in weeks. And so you want to look at how they eat across the span of a week versus a day. Some days they'll eat a bunch in one day and then other days they'll eat nothing. But the goal is that we see kind of that they're getting the nutrition that they need in a week's worth of time. And when we're in diet culture and and all of that, it really teaches us to be a robot about food. If you eat this many calories, you'll lose this much weight and you can't change that. You can't eat more one day or less one day. Like you have to, you have to follow the plan. So first thing that happened is our natural drive to fulfill our biological needs kind of got like overridden. Is that a word? It was overridden. Override? (laughs) I don't know. Um, It was like an override. Um, and you, and the the culture, the diet culture said, no, we got to do it this way. This is the way to do it. And so you taught your body, okay, well, my biological needs aren't going to be met because, and, and you probably didn't think about it that way. Right. But that's the first thing that happened is if you were hungrier than normal, you wouldn't go get more food. You would tell yourself, I can't have that. Right. So Diet culture teaches us to ignore those biological needs. The second, psychological needs, we also have a bit of a problem with that because right now we're in a society where busy is good and slowing down is not good. You won't reach your goals if you slow down, right? You won't do that if you slow down. And so we have this, like, I know there's a self-care movement and I know that there's a lot of good things coming out about, you know, meeting your psychological needs, but at the kind of base level, almost subconsciously, we're taught that we're too busy to be bothered with those psychological needs. So we're too busy to like be bothered to do something about it, to actually like pay attention to it and to do something about it. Okay. So, so often we see that emotional eating we think emotional eating is about emotions, but the reality is it's about emotions, but it's also about biological needs. So I'm going to give you kind of, we're going to kind of go backwards a little bit here um, and start there. Okay. So if, if somebody teaches you about emotional eating, they're probably teaching you about, um, you know, how do you deal with your emotions and all of that. And there is a time and a place for that. We absolutely have to learn how to deal with our emotions, but we're skipping a piece. We're skipping a big chunk of a need that needs to be met before you can even think about dealing with your psychological needs. And so if you're struggling with those questions that I asked before, and you know, if you're struggling with emotional eating in general, it's probably because you're missing this foundational piece. And when this piece is in place, this foundation, 
then we can start to talk about, okay, well, what do I do when I'm feeling stressed or sad or tired or alone? Like when I start to see these emotions, how do I deal with them? And it's because that foundational piece has been met. So number one, I've said this already, biological needs must be met first. And I like to think of, I kind of have a a rough, I don't even know what you'd call it, a little bit of like a my own framework <laughs> or chart or whatever you want to call it, a hierarchy of nutrition. And when we think about optimizing our nutrition for whatever we want, for health, wellness, weight loss, anything we want in the long run, there has to be a foundational piece that builds upon. Like you have to have like... I kind of think of a pyramid, right? We have to have a really good solid base and then you can slowly add components to the top of the pyramid. Hopefully this is making sense since I'm not actually seeing you and drawing it. But um, the base of the hierarchy of nutrition is all about hunger and fullness. It's all about meeting your body's biological needs, okay? So first we have to learn how to do that. The second thing on the hierarchy of nutrition is getting the right nutrients. So before we're even focusing on nutrients, which is what we always skip to, right? I should eat this, I shouldn't eat that. We have to be very, very in tune with our body's ability to honor our hunger and fullness. It doesn't matter what food it is, but you need to learn what it feels like to be hungry and full so that you can first meet those biological needs. And then... On top of that, you bring in the nutrients. Then we say, okay, I know how to honor this. Now I'm going to bring in nutrients to support the vision of a woman of wellness that I want to become. And then the top of the hierarchy of the nutrition is all of the excess and the little things. Okay, I know we could break this down probably a little bit more, but this is like big the big picture here where we say, okay, so then the next step, once we're like mastering those nutrients, then we look at where is the excess that I don't need or the like the random snackings or like the things that we're working on to get us closer to our goals, more specific, a little bit like higher. We don't start there, right? Maybe we do. (laughs) And maybe it's because that's why you've been so frustrated with your goals, with outcomes, anything like that, because you started with, well, I just eliminate the soda or the sugar or all of that without having those foundational pieces of I'm honoring my hunger and fullness. I know what that feels like. I'm meeting my hunger and fullness needs with the nutrition, with the nutrients that my body needs. And then I'm looking at where is the excess that I can tweak and change and like, you know, maybe not have that extra, I don't know, ice cream at night or whatever. Um, Looking at some of that. And so that's, it's like a pyramid and we really want that foundational piece. And here's why. In order to think rationally enough to meet your psychological needs, because remember, emotional eating is about physical needs or biological needs and psychological needs. (laughs) I should like give a little bit better definition. I think I did at the beginning. Um, So in order to be able to think rationally to then meet those psychological needs, you have to be biologically prepared. Think about it. If you are feeling really yucky because you, let's say you're on a diet and you haven't eaten enough food and you're feeling really yucky, then how good are you going to feel to be able to like manage those emotions? You're already feeling gross. You might as well keep going, right? That's answering one of those questions. Like, why do I keep eating the food that 
I don't feel good enough or that doesn't make me feel good because we're not biologically prepared to deal with those emotions. If you're overtired, your body's not ready to deal with those emotions, right? If you are stressed, if like all of those things, our body has to be in a place to show up optimally mentally. That was kind of a tongue twister, but we have to think about are we meeting those foundational needs for survival and thriving? And then I can rationally meet the psychological needs, the emotions. So step number one is that biological needs must come first. Instead of, I know this is backwards, I know this feels backwards, okay? But instead of looking at your emotions and how to like provide yourself self-care and all that stuff, which is good and it is important, how are you at honoring your hunger and fullness? Start there, okay? Step number two, you're not gonna like me when I say this, but you've got to stick around, (laughs) Don't, don't hang up. Don't push pause or stop or anything like that, okay? Get rid of the weight loss goal. And this is okay. Like you can have a little moment to like cry or throw your phone. Actually, don't throw your phone. But if you need a minute, you can have a minute and come back. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this a little bit better. Chances are you are living a weight loss goal. of the women that I talk to are always chasing weight loss. So your brain, whether or not you're actually doing the actions to follow weight loss, like to, to obtain weight loss, your brain is in weight loss mode all the time. Raise your hand if this is you. If you're constantly thinking about weight loss, or like nutrition as it result, as it relates to weight loss, I shouldn't eat that. It's too many calories. Um, I should eat that because it has no calories or I should go for a run instead of doing yoga because running burns more calories. You're constantly living a weight loss goal. Whether or not you're actually working on it, whether or not that the weight is coming off, you're still in weight loss mode. And the truth about weight loss is that it's something that you're, you don't pursue all the time. Think about it. If you were pursuing weight loss all the time, we'd be shriveled up to nothing, right? But yet our brains are in weight loss mode 99% of the time. So you've taught your brain and your body that you're quote supposed to be deprived all of the time. And what does that play into? That plays into your biological needs. You're telling your body that you need to be deprived all the time. So of course it's not going to show up in the best way for you. It's going to be in survival mode. So biologically, you're not getting the nutrition that you need. You're not meeting minimum standards for food like consistently, I mean, you're probably like if there's binging and restricting, you know, you're getting more food and less food and it's all over the place. But at the end of the day, you're not meeting those biological needs and you're also not meeting the psychological needs because you're teaching your brain 
that you need to be, be deprived all the time. So your brain has decided, well, it's almost like um, you don't, what am I trying to say? It's almost like you don't feel worthy of taking care of that because the only thing that you should be focused on is weight loss. In fact, um, in working with a client recently, I um, she kind of brought up this this discussion of like, I, I feel like we had, we've been working on some, um, you know, relationship with body stuff and lots of stories about her body and all of that. And the thing that she mentioned was that she's like, I feel like I should, I should be setting a weight loss goal. Like, can we do that? Can we do that? Maybe I'm ready. I should have a weight loss goal. I, I should have this. And, and that is living with a weight loss goal, right? Living in weight loss constantly. You feel this pull all the time that you should be in weight loss mode. So for you to meet a need, it has to fit into your weight loss goal, right? So even if your body says you're hungry, you have you can only meet your need to the point that it would still quote stay within your weight loss goal in your mind. Same thing with psychological. I can't meet that need only to a certain point, but I have to make sure I like stay within my limits. If that's making any sense. <laughs> so really we have to think about that is how how much are you living in a weight loss goal nonstop? And here's the thing, there is a time and a place for weight loss. I'm not saying a weight loss goal is not a worthy goal and and it can be and it can support your vision of a woman of wellness. And that's something that I'm very open about here. I believe in um, being able to accept and love your body and also create change at the same time and both are good and both are your choice. Real quick, do you struggle with emotional eating? Every time I ask women what their biggest struggle with food is, the response is overwhelmingly emotional eating. If you find yourself turning to food to deal with or distract from your day, I have a free resource for you. It's called Overcome Emotional Eating, and it's a free five-day mini email course to help you take simple steps toward managing your emotions in a non-food way. It's time to get rid of guilt and end the battle of eating your feelings all the time. I'll link this free resource in the show notes below, or you can also head to www.awomanofwellness.com to sign up. And there's a time and a place for weight loss, but we're not supposed to be living in weight loss all the time. And the time and place for weight loss is when there is some stability, not some, a lot of stability with food. A lot of biological stability, hunger and fullness, you know how to meet those needs. Emotional stability, like recognizing that when those things are stable, weight loss, the weight loss discussion can come back in. But what happens when it doesn't? What happens when you skip that part of it? You're always in the weight loss goal, but you're never losing the weight. You're never losing it long term. So that's a a big story, another story for another day we could get into. But at the end of the day, if you are like, I... (laughs) how, right? How do I do this? 
This is exactly what we talk about in Food Freedom. And the doors are opening in September. So I'm giving you plenty of time to put it on your list, to save up, to get into that program with us because that's what's going to help you create stability with food in your body. So then we can start discussing what it looks like to create body change from a place of stability. And you have to have that. And so you can go a womanofwellness.com forward slash food freedom and you can learn all about it and all of that. But that's anyway. So what you need to understand right here, right now, <laughs> I got a little off track there, but um, is we have to get rid of that weight loss goal for right now. And that's okay. What would it look like for you to allow that to not take space in your brain all the time? That could be freeing. And if you're worried about like, you know, losing control around food when you do that, like if, if you feel like your weight loss goal is the control, um, we've got our Ditch the Diet Challenge coming back too. So I'm just telling you all the things, all the surprises that are coming. Just kidding. Um, so that's coming to, I think we're announcing it next week. So stay tuned. Um, okay, let's get back on track. I was just getting all excited here because I know I get lots of questions about, okay, well, then how do I do this? What do I do this? And that's exactly why I created Food Freedom. So, um, okay, number three is focus on learning to meet your body's needs, okay? So instead of the pursuit of weight loss, what if instead you said, I'm going to learn how to meet my meet and honor my body's needs, okay? what would that look like? So then that turns emotional eating from something bad, quote bad, that we label as bad, into a tool. Now that's cool, right? It's just like the scale. I don't have anything against the scale. But when the scale becomes about who you are, versus a tool for measurement to see what you need to change and like just a very objective tool, then we have a problem, right? So when we think about emotional eating, we see emotional eating as this is who I am. I have no control. Like it becomes us. I'm an emotional eater. But what we need to do is shift our perspective here. Emotional eating can be used as a tool to say something is not right in my body. And you could ask yourself, is it a biological need that I'm not meeting? Do I need to honor my hunger and fullness better? Do I need to figure out my nutrients? Do I need to figure out what excess I have? Just like the hierarchy of nutrition we talked about. Is it an emotional need that's not being met that I'm using food? So it's an opportunity to see, oh, a tool. And a tool comes in objectively and fixes things. Okay? So you're now taking the focus away from the constant weight loss goal and saying, I'm going to learn to meet my body's needs. And emotional eating is a tool for me to use. So when I turn to emotional eating to deal with something, I have a moment to say, what is happening here? 
and what need is not being met. And then you can do something about it. And again, we talk more about this in Food Freedom, but the other thing that you need to understand is you have to be willing to try something else, to be someone else. You have to be willing to step into the identity of the woman of wellness that you want to become. Does that woman of wellness numb her emotions with food? Or does she take care of her body in a way that she knows what she needs? So it really does require us a little bit to kind of say goodbye to the old identity. And it's not going to happen overnight. And that's okay. It's not, it's not just going to happen like out of nowhere. But we slowly start to say goodbye to that old identity that isn't getting us where we want to go. The person that immediately turns to food before even thinking about it. I am a woman of wellness who takes care of her body, who is observant with her food, who observes her emotions, whatever it is you want to say. That's a great first step to use emotional eating as a tool. Be willing to try something else. Instead of constantly chasing the weight loss goal, can you focus on meeting your body's needs right now? What does that woman of wellness within you want and need? That's where we bring in the psychological components. I'm tired. I need to go lay down for a minute instead of grab some sugar to keep me going because I know I'll just grab sugar later tonight anyway, right? And this is not an easy discussion, but it's an important discussion to have with yourself. Who am I being that is not supporting my vision? That is not supporting what me as a woman of wellness would do? And then you use that as a tool and say, well, what could I try instead? And you see You see how it works. You start creating new habits. At the end of the day, emotional eating is a habit loop. You have a trigger, an emotion. An emotion triggers you something, stress. You have a habit that you follow. You go for the chips. That's the habit. And then you have the outcome. You don't feel any better than when you did. You temporarily relieved it. So as you start practicing becoming someone else and saying, okay, I see that this is happening. I see that I'm not biologically hungry. I see that this is a harmful, this is not what I want. This is not the outcome that I want. I'm going to try something else. What if instead next time I feel the same way, I tried this. And so then when you have that trigger every time, let's say stress, you know that you can You have something else to deal with it and it creates that outcome that you want. I feel better or whatever. I feel calm. So we have to start creating those new habits to help. And before I move on, I want to, I kind of want to talk about um, emotional eating and biological eating. And the reality is, is you are not only ever this that already doesn't make sense you will not 
always eat just for biological reasons, okay? It is normal to want to eat a cookie even if you're not biologically hungry when everyone around you is enjoying a cookie or to have a soup that someone brought over when you were sick or, or something like that. This is okay. And so I want you to recognize that. Like it's really important that our biological needs are met, but also just eating when we're not biologically hungry doesn't make us an emotional eater. And it's not, quote, a bad thing because it's also a connection. How do you see emotional eating as a connection to people? And this get, this is where this like getting rid of the weight loss goal c- comes in, right? We get rid of the weight loss goal and we start learning to meet our body's needs. And so then we just know maybe we're going to enjoy a night out with friends and get a drink or get um, treats or something like that. And we can enjoy it and we don't have to worry about overdoing it because we know that we're not stressed about that one drink or whatever it is because we're not holding on to this tight grip of the weight loss goal. We can go enjoy it and know that we have the control. We can feel comfortable and confident that we're not going to go overboard because we're just there to enjoy with our friends or our family or whatever you want, whoever it is, um, recognizing that emotional eating, it's okay. Emotional eating is eating when you're not biologically hungry. And at the basic level, that would seem like, okay, well, anything excess is bad, but, but what it's saying is, we don't have to see it that way. We just recognize that there are good emotional eating moments. And I want you to think about that. What would it look like for you to be able to enjoy eating when you're not so worried about how much you're supposed to eat or if you're going to be out of control because you've been able to release that weight loss goal? Nine times out of 10, maybe 10 times out of 10, you'll be able to go there and not go overboard and enjoy it. And so I really want you to think about what does it look like um, for you to enjoy emotional eating in, in your life. Okay, that went a little bit. <laughs> this is a fun episode. Um I wanted to kind of rapid fire some of these questions that I've been getting asked because we've we've outlined the three, like, how do we work through emotional eating? We're going backwards. We outlined the three steps, I guess you'd say, that our biological needs must be met first. We've got to get rid of the weight loss goal. And we've got to focus on learning to meet our body's needs. So I wanted to answer these questions. I'm, I have no notes. I'm just going to answer them. What comes to my mind? Hopefully this goes well. Um, these questions that you know you've been asking me and that I get all the time, and how does it relate to what we've talked about? How do we answer these questions? So number one, why do I binge and restrict? Here's the answer. Biological needs are typically not being met when we're restricting, right? So when we're in restriction mode, first of all, our biological needs are not met. So then what happens? We cannot typically make a rational psychological decision either. And so we're already deprived biologically. We're also deprived mentally or psychologically. And so then what does that mean? Our body, I mean, how often do you crave the healthy foods when you're in restrict mode? 
because quote healthy foods I know we have to be careful with that word but um like thinking about how do we what where do you go when you're in when you're restricted when you're deprived biologically and psychologically you go straight for all the foods that are off limits and you you eat food to meet your hunger and what happens is you're so so hungry that you usually overeat to compensate because you haven't figured out you haven't taught your body or you haven't connected with your body in a way that says okay I'm going to be ready to stop eating because it's like I restricted so much both biologically and psychologically that then when I brought in the quote abundance I overdid it and that's where the binge and the restrict cycle goes in so where are you restricting biologically where are you restricting psychologically and how can you meet those needs so that you're not setting yourself up for a binge okay number two why do I eat the foods I know won't make me feel good and this one goes into we're in a weight loss goal constantly right so it's is it reverse psychology I don't think that's the right word it's it's kind of like backwards or flipped where we think well yeah if 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 I want to feel good I should eat the foods that feel good but what happens is you're in this weight loss goal, like you're in your brain, you're living, I always need to be in weight loss mode. So what happens is we're, we're deprived again, right? We're depriving ourselves. And so we rebel and we say, well, I'm going to eat that food because I can do it. Like, it, it's like kind of an inner child, right? Like somebody told me I can't do that or I'm supposed to do it this way. And so then I go for the foods that I know aren't going to make me feel good. It's like this control thing. So we, once you get rid of the weight loss goal and recognize that you're just here to learn to meet your body's needs, then it's okay to try things. But we're on the pendulum. I've talked about the pendulum a lot here where we go back and forth. We swing from restriction to freedom, eat whatever we want, all of that. And when we're on the side of restriction, it's almost like this um, rite of passage. I don't know what the right word is, but like you can basically say, well, I'm going to eat all those foods. Like the, the rebellion inside of us. Are you a rebellious eater? So I hope that I did that that question justice of like, why, why do I eat those foods that I know won't make me feel good? Because I'm already deprived and it's like one thing that I can like control, but also rebel against. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. Um, okay, number three, why do I feel addicted to sugar? Number one, sugar does have some addictive properties, okay? So the more we eat of something, the more we're inclined to eat it. Like it just, it's, it's just science. And yes, sugar has some of those, like it makes changes in your brain that makes you a little bit more addicted to it. However, I like to suggest that addiction to sugar is not so much about biological. It's about mental, psychological we've made a decision that we're addicted to sugar we can only turn to sugar with for this 
whatever. Like I, I only know how to turn to sugar for this. And so we've made this decision that I'm addicted to sugar. And so it's like this habit loop. And what I brought in our third um, thing that we talked about is we have to be willing to become someone else. Can I be someone else that doesn't go for the sugar? Can I tell myself I'm not addicted to sugar? It's, it's recognizing that I can meet the biological needs and here I am coming in and fixing and meeting those psychological needs and saying, I'm not addicted to sugar. I've made a decision to be addicted to sugar and I can make a decision to eat the foods that will support my body, to follow the hierarchy of nutrition, to meet my biological needs first. And as soon as those biological needs are met, your sugar addiction will lessen. It happens 100% of the time. If you're meeting those needs, you will not be as addicted to sugar. Okay, number four, why does food consume my thoughts all day long? Because you're in the weight loss goal all day long. So you're constantly saying, should I eat this? Shouldn't I eat this? Should I eat that? Like you are constantly stuck in the diet mentality. And we talk about diet mentality again in food freedom, but um, you're, you're stuck in this diet mentality of like what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, how much you should eat, how much you shouldn't eat, like all of these things. And so f- of course, food is consuming those thoughts all day long. What if you got rid of the weight loss goal and just focus on learning to meet your body's needs and trying new things? You will make some incredible discoveries. And if you need a little bit of like a promise or a hope, that will happen. I know that's scary, but it will happen as you practice and recognize that food doesn't have to be about weight loss. Food doesn't have to be about weight loss. What would change if you said that every day to yourself? Number five, why do I reward myself with food? This is the habit loop, okay, like we talked about earlier. We've created a habit loop. And this is something that I've struggled with. I struggled with a lot. I would always like deserve a treat. Why do I reward myself with food? Because I've decided it, right? I, uh, I have decided that I'm the person that needs this food to, to reward me. And there is a place and a time for um, rewards and enjoying yourself and celebrating and all of that. But if it feels like you're constantly going toward it all the time, I want you to think about what would it look like for me to be willing to try something else, to be someone else, to step in to the identity of the woman of wellness I want to become and create a new habit. I did something awesome. What should I do? What if it wasn't a treat tonight? It's okay to have those rewards. It's okay to enjoy it. But recognize that you can start to change that habit loop. Why does it feel easier to deal with my feelings using food? Because your biological needs probably first haven't been met, so you're not psychologically prepared to deal with your emotions. So you've got to start there. I'm kind of being redundant, I know, but this is why, because we need to practice this. The biological needs are not being met, but when they are, so if we can meet those, then it becomes easier to deal with your feelings in other ways because you're prepared to say, what do I need? How can I give myself what I need? All of that. And lastly, 
Why do I feel in a constant battle over what I eat? Because you're in weight loss. You're in weight loss mode. What if we got rid of that weight loss goal for now and focused on meeting our body's needs? Do you think you'd still be in a constant battle? Probably not. So I hope this was the best (laughs) emotional eating episode. I wanted to make it so like redundant that you could remind yourself these three principles over and over and over again to apply to the questions that you have as it relates to emotional eating and your struggles with emotional eating. So you have tools now to know what to do about it. Okay. You need to learn how to meet your biological needs. Get rid of that weight loss goal. Put it on a shelf. It can come back, but stop living in the weight loss goal. And instead, start focusing on learning to meet your body's needs. And when stability with food is present, you can come back to the weight loss. You can come back to creating a different kind of change, okay? Sometimes change, everybody sees like, they only see outer change. And outer change is only about weight loss. But I was telling a client the other day, same thing about how we the amount that we change from the inside isn't seen a lot from the outside, but it's so big. It's so important. And so more than anything, before I sign off for today, I want you to focus on the things that you're doing internally. I want you to see the positives. Focus on what you are doing. It's okay if the outside is not seeing what's happening on the inside, because the most important work you will do in healing your relationship with food and your body and exercise is going to be inside. When you have stability with your relationship with your body and with food, then you can create change from the inside out. And that's what we're all here to talk about. We're creating change from the inside out. So thank you so much for joining me today. Again, stay tuned. We've got some really fun things coming up next week. I think our challenge is coming out. I think, let's see, when is this going live? (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be sharing more about that next week. And then um, we are, Food Freedom is going to be opening. And I cannot wait to welcome the women in that need that stability. And if that is you, Go get on the wait list. Talk to me, message me. Let me know about this episode if it helped anything that you've been able to implement. I love hearing your comments. I love hearing your feedback. If you love this episode or this podcast, please share it with a friend. Please leave a review. I really, I just, I want the women that need this message to hear it. So thank you so much for joining me and have a lovely rest of your day. Okay, my friend, if you love the Woman of Wellness podcast, did you know that one of the biggest ways you can say thank you is by hitting that subscribe button and leaving a review? This helps the women that need this message have more of a chance of seeing it. And if these messages speak to you, why not share the love? I genuinely care what you think of this podcast. If this particular episode resonated with you, just copy the link and send it to a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at a woman of wellness and I will be sure to send my love right back. And while you're at it, 
just come hang out with me on Instagram. I share lots more support over there as well. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. I absolutely mean it.